0: For the last few weeks, we have been dealing with a very difficult subject. It caused all of the men and their wives, too, I'm sure, who were involved, to be strongly exercised emotionally because it affected them very directly. And it was evident the kind of decision that had to be made for the church to move on into the plans that God has given us. Now, there's a way of a church moving on by not moving on. It just drags drains out, gets smaller, and one day uh, thirty years down the line you have twelve people or something like that, it just goes down. The other thing is you have a vision and you want to see that vision fulfilled because God gave you the vision. And The vision we have is to reach all of this area between Trinidad and Riadel, that at least the gospel will be preached to them clearly, effectively, powerfully one time. See, you go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature Well, here is where we are geographically located. Now, our heart must be still to preach the gospel in all the world, and that's part of our goal. But be that as it may, while we are here geographically, there's a very clear mandate on us to make sure that every person in this community hears the gospel, which I'm glad to say we have covered 12,000 homes in that period of time. Now, not all have been homes, so they're going back over this area, And gradually, I know we're going to reach everyone with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But our vision is to touch all the way from Trinidad to Riadel. The vision that God has spoken to us is that we will have a thousand people in attendance. It's approaching 500 now. And my next intermediate goal for all of you, and I want you to get this in your heart, because vision is what produces it. Vision, which is translated into action, produces it. We want to see it permanently go over the 500 mark, so we can move toward the 600 mark. But this decisions had to be made. It would not go forward without those decisions being made. And I want to say to a man, the elders made that decision, and they made it not in a well. we have to, brother. So you get decisions like that, which are not decisions. Are like the inevitable is falling on me, and the axe is going to chop my head off. So I better say something here. It wasn't that way. It's like. It's right, let's do it. I tell you something, we're moving into the 21st century with victory with men like this at the helm. I want to tell you something, that when you get up my age, I know, at least I believe in the Lord, that I have a good many more years left to serve God on this earth. But at this stage of life, you begin to think at some point you're closer to leaving than when you came into this world. And I'm saying to myself, who is going to take the helm at that point? Who will the ministry be committed to? Who will take it forward? Well, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, in my heart, there was a lightness, a dancing, a joy. We don't have to worry about the future because God has raised up good men and good women to lead this church into the future. Let's give God a clap. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Now, with that said, in a way it leads into the message, because what I'm speaking about is investment in the kingdom of God. And when I speak about investment, I'm going to deal in the weeks when I return from my trip, I'll be gone for nine days, and hopefully that's the last travel this year and somewhat into next year, if that is any major travel. But when I return, I'm going to speak about investing in the kingdom of God from a Financial perspective, I will touch a little bit on it today. Today I'm going to speak about investing in the kingdom of God in the sense of family. I will utilize financial illustrations because the scripture is full of them, making excellent illustrations to demonstrate a point here. But what I'm saying is that years ago people came to this church. I will enlarge on this illustration as we get into it. These people, we had one of two things we could do with them. We could either say, well, they're here and we'll try to get them saved and rehabilitate and send them out back to their home or something or tell them to leave town, they don't fit this community or something like that. In other words, kind of a mission activity. Or we could say, we will invest ourselves into these people. Well, the people that were here with me at that time stood with me, not all of them, some left, but stood with me and said, let us invest our time and our life in these people. They're different from us, they think different, they're a different generation, we have a generation gap all these problems, but let's invest our love, let's invest our money, let's invest our heart, let's invest the Word of God in them, and see what God will do. Well, the result has been, that gospel is spread out from here across the earth. And before it's finished, I think it will be huge compared to what it is now. I believe God gave me a clear vision of that years ago. So we're talking today about the whole process of investing, in the kingdom of God. I'm going to be touching your children. I'm going to speak about investing in your wife or investing in your husband. I'm going to speak about you children investing in your parents. See, we're talking about the principle of investing. I'm very strong on the principle of investing because I see scripturally it is the right principle. Your money is meant to grow. Your family is meant to grow. Your spirit is meant to grow. Your emotions are meant to grow. See, everything about it, if it's the right investment is made, they will grow and multiply and become very powerful in your life. All right, now, I'm going to turn to Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. Perhaps some of you would like to turn there also. One of the things that has puzzled me over the years, both in my own life, it no longer is a puzzle because I have worked at that and sought God until he's given me an understanding of it. And then I altered my lifestyle, altered my thought processes, altered my vision making process until it for the most part conforms to the word of God. Now the only reason I say it does not totally conform, my heart is set to conform, but I don't think I understand everything at all that I'm speaking about here. So I still am at the place where I have working truth. As far as it goes, it is right, but there's more I'm sure that I'll be learning tomorrow and in the years that are ahead of me, and that will be true of you. But there's one thing that I did notice, that there were certain things clearly spoken of in the Word of God that were very evidently given to us, either conditionally or unconditionally, depending on how God prefaced these things that he was going to say, which was clearly given to the people of God. In other words, God's heart was set that his people should have those things this was his desire that my people will prosper that they will be in health even as their soul prospers that their spirits will prosper that see i mean these are things god wants for his people but as i looked around in my own life there were many of those things i did not see as a matter of fact i not only did i not see the great prosperity that was promised i saw the very opposite to the prosperity and i'm saying lord Where is this? Now, understand, I'm speaking of prosperity in the general sense. My children were not at some point serving God. Now, thank God they all are, but at some point they were not. My finances were a shambles. My emotional life was a ruin. My ministry had come to an end. My relationship with Daisy was divided and separated and we were divorced. I mean, these things which were promised to us in the Word of God, which I thoroughly believe were for us, evident that they were for us, I did not have working in my own life. Now, I did not have them because I did not understand a truth, a reality, an understanding now that I paid tithes, okay, I went to church, I prayed, I but there was something, Lord, I'm doing this and I'm doing this, and I, and I tried all the things that people said. I mean, you can stand up to God and say, Lord, I've given you 10%, now I demand and charge you with you give me. You know, I did all that. But I want to tell you, nothing happened except I got a sore throat from speaking too loud to God. So, that was not the answer. So, I'm saying, Lord, these things are clear to me that they are for us. Why is it we do not see them functioning in our lives? Now, let me give you one example of his statement here. Now it shall be, if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I command you today, The Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. Now the key, the conditional part is we obey him. So as much as I understood I was, and still they were not there. Because the vision in my mind, the reality in my heart was not stable. My heart was unstable toward these things. If something would happen that would make it look like it wasn't happening, i said, oh, I guess God is... uh, and then I would deny an evident truth. These blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Well, in the city I was in, I wasn't being blessed. I was being destroyed. See, I thought, well, that isn't working. Blessed shall you be in the country. In other words, wherever you are, you will be blessed. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body, the produce of your ground, the offspring of your beasts, the increase of your herd, the young of your flock, Blessed shall be your basket in your store, blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. All right, now, all of these things, clear, evident promises, yet they were not working in my life. And not only were they not working in my life, for the most part, they were not working in most of the Christians that I knew. They would claim these things, they would name these things, they would speak these things, they would say, every promise in the book is mine, let's sing that chorus. And we would sing it over and over sometimes, but it, in fact, is true That every promise was ours but we did not see the manifestation of that at all at that time i did not understand how to go about investing in the kingdom of god it was a simply something i did not understand so then today i'm going to say when you understand the principle of investing that every promise in the word of god that you invest yourself in will come to pass and take place in your life now in order to understand this it's going to take God's anointing, I will tell you, because it's a basic reality that Satan will fight every way he can because he does not want you to understand what I'm going to say here today. Let's bow our heads now in a word of prayer and ask God to open up our minds and our spirits. Now, Heavenly Father, this Bible is your love letter to your people. It is direction. It is guidance. It is truth. It is reality. It is that which the Holy Spirit uses to make Jesus real and you real to his Father. Lord, it's the thing which gives us light in the dark world and leads us with certainty through it. And in this wonderful love letter that you've written to your saints, O Lord, they're filled with promises that out of your abundant and loving heart you have made to your children, which you desire and even expect, because that's part of our testimony in this world, is that our God is faithful, our God is the provider, our God is the present one, our God is our victory and our banner and our shepherd. All of those things you wish to demonstrate through your people, and Lord, we have not been able to take hold of them as we should. So today I pray that you will open the eyes of our understanding, that we may understand this reality and how to apply it in our lives. Grant this, Father, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I am turning in my Bible to Romans, the 11th chapter. And I'm going to read a scripture there that's an obscure type of scripture, but no scripture is obscure. I just simply mean it's kind of, you just read along and you don't even see it. Found in Romans, the 11th chapter, in the 16th verse. And if the first piece of the dough be holy, the lump is also... And if the root be holy, the branches are too. Now this is an illustration from the Old Testament when the people of Israel were coming into the promised land. They weren't in it yet, but he said, when you come into it, this is what you do. And he literally was speaking about literal dough. They would take the first fruits of their crops and they would make a dough, dough cakes. As a matter of fact, I will turn to the particular scripture that is dealing with here. It's Numbers 15, 18. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land where I bring you, then it shall be that when you eat of the food of the land, you shall lift up an offering to the Lord. Of the first of your dough, you shall lift up a cake as an offering. As the offering of the threshing floor, so shall you lift it up. From the first of your dough you shall give to the Lord an offering throughout your generations. And he goes on to speak about other things concerning that dough if they fail unwittingly. Now notice what he's saying here. Here they made this dough. God has given them crops. Their wheat is grown. Their harvest is in and so forth. And then they're to make, whenever they eat their food, they are to make this dough cake. They're going to have wheat. And they literally take off a part of it, the first fruits. And they set it over here and they make a special cake And then they hold it up to the Lord and say, Lord, this is dedicated to you, it is holy. Now the Bible says the tithe is holy underneath. This word holy is used a great many times in scripture. Many people only understand it to be like, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, therefore I'm holy. He's talking about a way of viewing life. God is sovereign. Everything in the earth is God's. I am God's, my children belong to God, my is the things that's in my hand, it belongs to the Lord, everything I have, my time, my talents, my abilities, my past, my present, my future, it is God's. And then when this crop comes in, we take and make this cake, and they held it up to the Lord and said, Lord, we hold this up to you. The first fruits were given to God. Now it says, therefore, if the first fruit be holy, what is true now? The lump is holy. Now see, Here I'm giving my tithe to God. This is holy, O Lord. Now, of the money that I have left, what is true about that money? It is holy. See, now most people don't understand that. That's why the devil, in the early days of my life, could get in and rip me off and take things away from me, and I had no way to stop him. I considered the mammon the mammon of unrighteousness, which, of course, it is the mammon of unrighteousness. But when the money is given into my hands, and I understand that it belongs to the Lord, He has transferred it to me for a righteous purpose, a holy purpose. Let me put it that way. And I am merely His manager directing that money into its proper channels to invest in His kingdom and to build up His kingdom. And when I have as a sign to the world. And God is very interested in signs to the world. We make a testimony by what we do. See, now most people, when they pay tithes, they consider it almost like a temple tax or something like that. I mean, the price of belonging to gospel outreach in Eureka is 10% of your income and pay it, or you're in bad standing and we'll make faces at you and so forth, a hex will be put on you. We're not talking about anything like that. What we're talking about is that God is the one who says to pay tithes, and he wants you to not see it as, well, all right, Lord, uh, I've got this thousand dollars, and uh, here's the hundred, and I give it to you, and, um, you know, I don't know what you need it for. You don't eat food, but I sure could use it for food. And, but there it is, and uh, we'll do the best we can with what we have left. Oh, oh, woe is me. It's not that way at all. It's like when you take off that first fruit, and you say, Lord, this is yours. He says, The tithe is holy unto me. Then if the first fruits be holy, everything that is left is holy. Now the hand of God has come over what I have. Now I'm saying, Lord, I am your manager. I am walking in your ways. I am carrying out your will. I want to invest this properly in your kingdom. I want to see this used to win souls. I want to see this used to establish churches. I want to see this used to transform lives. I want to see this used to feed the poor. I want to see this used to be a testimony. I want to be a good manager in your kingdom, O Lord. Show me what to do with it. It's holy. See, the tithe is holy, the offerings are holy, what remains is holy. Now, once that's understood, then there's a vision. This money is holy. My checkbook is holy. The money that's in the bank is holy. And I will use it for godly purposes. And there's a vision. I'm walking in a holy commission, a holy revelation of what I am to do in this earth with that money. God will show me what to do. He will show me how to handle it. He will show me how to spend it. He will show me how to invest it. He'll show me how to build with it. He'll show me how. And I want to tell you something. When you begin to think of it that way, rather than the way mostly. Now, you think how you think of money. See, maybe you all think of it the way that I do. I hope you do. But I know that many Christians do not understand this principle. And to them, well... I worked at the factory, or I worked at my business, or I worked at my profession, or I worked at my... And uh, at the end of uh, two weeks, they gave me a check, and here I have the check, and uh, okay, I go to the bank, and the bank gives me money, and uh, part of it goes in the checkbook to pay bills with, and I have cash, I need a little of that, and here's a check to the church for this, and then here I spend this here, and I spend this here, and I spend two weeks later, I'm back, here's the check again, thank you, then you... And see, so you just go through this limitless routine, not even conscious... Of what you have in your hands, or what God is saying to you. Now let's reverse this. See, you get your check, and you say, "Oh God, this company that I work for is the vehicle by which this came to me, but Lord, you are the source, and you have put this money into my hand, like the Israelites, and you have caused this wheat to grow on land that is yours with seed that you have made, O oh God, and you have been the one that has sent rain, and you have see money removes us from it." deep understanding of God's earth, God's rain, God's sunshine, God's seed, God's wisdom, God's... We're removed too far. And, And without really taking thought about it, we don't understand. That money is the same kind of thing. It's handed to you. God, you are the source, and I thank you for it, Lord. And now I'm going to take the first fruits of this this dough. See, maybe that's why it's called dough. It helps you to understand what it is. See, this dough... And I'm going to take the first fruits. God is yours. Hey, don't pay tithes. Like my wife handed me the tithe check, triple tithe actually. But part of it is for missions. Part of it is for this, and part and the ten percent is for tithe. She handed me two of the checks. I'm going to put one in next time because we try to set an example so people can see us doing it too. Not like you should tithe, and I am set free by the grace of God. No, we all tithe. Hallelujah! It's wonderful, see, to do that. But what I did, I sat there and said, Lord, this is holy. And I give it to you. See? And I put it in the offering basket there. Now, there's this sense, this vision renewed in my mind that everything I have, the hand of God, is appointed for good. See, I am a holy man carrying out holy actions, possessed of holy funds for a holy purpose. That's the vision that's in my mind continually. So my money is never like, oh, the money here, just spend it like, now it's all gone, I get some more, can I have a raise, please? See, that kind of mentality will guarantee that you will not see the blessings of God that you should see in your life. Now, if you understand this principle then, see, holiness to the Lord, all through Scripture is this basic principle. Now, first thing I want to say, how many of you understood what I just said? You think you've got that down? Did I see your hand? Put it up there so I can see it. All right, praise God. There's a very, very important principle. See, the real question is, what is the vision and what is the understanding and what is the confession that now comes forth from your mouth? Remember, believe, confess, act. See, now if you believe money is just, well, you get money and you spend money and somehow God supplies it, that's what's going to come out of you. But if you believe that that money is given to God and it's holy and what you have is holy and you're called on a holy mission, then I want to tell you that is exactly what will happen in your life. You will sense the presence of God in your money decisions, in your spending decisions, the result of what you're doing, and you will see it come back to you in marvelous and wonderful ways. Hallelujah! God's kingdom, the seed is growing. All right, now... When we come to the larger sense of investment, that's why God always deals with money to make you understand it, because it's a simple, like a carnal thing, the mammon of unrighteous. I understand it. I see you can do this and it can increase. But I want you to understand that this principle applies to everything in our spiritual, our Christian lives. Let's say a man is a single man, and he's feeling that God wants him to be married at some point. You know what he should be doing? He should be praying that God will send him... Because when he gets married, God's principle is that he will invest himself in his wife. He will think about her as holy. The Bible says, he that receives a wife receives a good thing and great favor from the Lord. Now, I didn't understand that when I first got married. So I did not treat my wife like the precious jewel that she is to me now. Now I understand this tremendous wonderful gift that God has given to me and I take every day to thank God for it and to pray for her health and strength and long life and blessing because I need her by my side. She is my jewel, my gift, the beginning of my... She's meant all these things to me and I go over and over in my mind but I did not understand that in the beginning. All I understood was, yes, I love her, she loves me, let's get married and here we are, preacher, all right, say the words, you know, thank you, goodbye, honeymoon, and away we go. Most people, that's the way they treat marriage, the same way they think about money. I get this money and here it is in my pocket and I pay my ties, or I don't accord to whatever thing they're at at that point, and I spend money here and I send I go to work now, I go back again, I get my check and I go back. We treat our wives that way. We did not pray, oh Lord, send me the right woman. Lord, I believe you have given me the right woman, and then you invest in her your love, your time, your money. Your support, your care, your fellowship, your friendship, the Word of God, your life, your future, your heart, you pour it into her. Likewise, the reverse is true. A woman should be praying, Oh God, give to me the right man. I say, the Israelites, they had a much closer understanding, maybe being closer to the earth again, but it was God's way. Somehow they understood it. A godly family would get together with a godly family. And this godly family here had a girl, this godly family, the boy. And this family, this father and this mother would look at this family and say "The Jacob's family, godly people, good values, right thinking, good upbringing, walking holy before the Lord, they're raising that girl right. She would make a good mother for the children of my son. Let us get together with them. And they would maybe make this proposal. The other family would, on the other hand, turn around and look and say, Godly family, good values, hard workers, holy before God, givers, laborers, builders, faithful man, faithful woman, faithful children, they're raising that son to be a good man. He will make a good father for my daughter's children. Let us get together and say, Your son my daughter and we will tell them from the very beginning they are destined by god to be married and to walk together they said well what about love listen i want to tell you something you'll find if people learn how to love that love springs up powerfully and wonderfully when we learn how to treat each other walk with each other see the bible doesn't say love is a zap in the head it says love is kindness and gentleness and see well many people say how did you know this was a girl Man, I looked at her, saw her blue eyes, and zap! See? say. I hope this holds out. Okay. All right, now you understand the basic principle here. Now, then these two come together in holy matrimony. Now... If you get married by a justice, oh, we just can't wait to get married. I mean, you know, well, now here what we want you to do is we want you to come and have some premarital counseling and we want you to, certain things we see here should be, oh, man, we can't wait. No, no, but our justice is peace. You're not going to get holy matrimony. You're going to get just matrimony. You know where holy matrimony takes place? Right in the church with your brothers and sisters surrounding you. And a godly man speaking words that are not just words. Dearly beloved, here we are gathered again in the face of God in this company. Join this man in one holy matrimony. Who is now joined with honor to all men the honorable. Okay, you're married. Goodbye. That's not marriage. That's a travesty on marriage. Dearly beloved, we are here today before Almighty God, and you too before the witnesses of your brothers and your sisters. You are here to be joined together by Almighty God in holy matrimony. Do you understand this? Yes, we do, sir. Yes. We want to be joined in holy matrimony. That's the basis of a marriage. Now, if you were not married that way, because you were not saved, you did not know it, then there are other scriptures which make up for that. But I'm talking about the ideal situation. See, we ought to understand that this coming together is not some... Okay, let's get married. This is something you're going to invest yourself in. The wife ought to go into a marriage with the idea, not what, I want this, I want this, I demand this, I demand this, I must have this, and the husband, I demand this, and I... That's not how we go into marriage. We go into marriage with the idea of investing in the treasure that God has given us and taking good care of saying, Oh Lord, this is my wife. You have given her to me, and I hold her up before you, and I dedicate her to you, and I walk with her. And I will take care of her all the days of my life. She is my treasure. See, invest yourself. Let your marriage be bound together in the right way. And keep it bound there. Take time to go back over those vows that you made. Take time to extend those vows. Renew those vows. Build those vows. So that your life is based on holiness before the Lord. Now then, the area of sex. Many people have the idea that sex is just pleasure. Sex is not just pleasure. Yes, it is pleasurable. That's a part of God's blessing upon man and woman and so That's wonderful. But that isn't what it's for. The Bible says, when he put Adam on this earth and Eve, he says, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Lord, will a child be conceived holy in the womb of the woman that you've given to me? Lord, will you put a child in my womb? That's why the women of Israel... To have a child was an important thing, and to not have one was a serious thing. They wanted a child. Well, that's not serious in the same way, because they never knew but what, through them, that woman would be the Messiah, would be born. They understood it was to be from a woman of Israel, the virgin woman, so forth, to bring forth that child. Lord, is this the child? Is this the one? Is this the one that will replace Cain, whom Abel slew? See, that type of thing. But Lord, this child you've given me, This is holy. This child is holy to the Lord. Now, notice the principle. I will invest myself in this child. I will not take anything into my body that would hurt this child. I will not want to see it destroyed. I will care for myself. The man, I will watch over my wife. I will protect her. I will help to bring this child to full term. I will... See, it's like an investment. I'm going to invest. Now I have a child. I invest myself in the child. For the child is holy. Now, the Bible says, whatever first opens the womb, whatever, he said, man, beast, so forth, whatever first opens the womb, it is holy to me, it belongs to me, saith the Lord. Now, here's a here's a reality. Here's the firstborn child. Now, we have a custom here in this church. and it's not really a custom. I believe it's a divine transaction. We can look at it as a custom, and if we do, it'll be worth nothing to us. But if it's a divine transaction, it is powerful before God. We take... The parents and say, you should dedicate this baby to the Lord. Now some people, oh, isn't that a, isn't that a wonderful little custom? There's all the elders up there fussing over the baby and the mother and the father and, look, I'm into fussing over babies. I love fussing over babies and I kiss them on the cheek and I think I've made a good politician because I like, mm mm-hmm, And so forth and so on. Because I love babies and I love children and I love grown-ups too for that matter. They see all kinds of people. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. But when that parent stands up here before the Lord, dedicating that baby, and I'm the one doing it, and I believe the elders have exactly the same mind that I have, we are saying, Lord, here is the fruit of the womb. Your child, Lord, you've sent to this earth. We dedicate this child to you. Holy Lord. Not W-H-O-L-L-Y, that too, but H-O-L-Y. Lord, what dream do you have for this child? What plan do you have for this child? What ministry do you have for this child? What purpose for this child? Lord, we give it to you, and we will invest ourselves in this child. Why do we have Eureka Christian School? Well, you have to have certain services in the church to hold people, and you know, keep people interested, and we have youth groups to keep the youth interested, and we have... ah! What a cornball mind! We don't have Eureka Christian School because you have to offer certain services to keep people coming. That's you know, with this is a gospel outreach, very progressive church. We have our own day school here. We also have a youth group, and then one day we're going to have a college, you won't, and then finally we're going to have a burial service, and we just take people completely through it. <laughs> the reason we have Eureka Christian School, the reason we have Sunday school, the reason we have teachers working to teach our children and to. We're investing in God's treasure that he's given to us, hallelujah. I want them raised with godly truth put into their hearts. I want them taught by godly teachers. I want them filled with the nurture and admonition of God. We're investing in the kingdom. You know what we're looking for? Mighty workers to grow up. We're looking for them to go out one day leading teams. Maybe they're a part of a team. Or right here in this community where God has stationed them. Because that could be a way through. But they're workers in the kingdom spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Great testimonies. That's what everything we're doing is all about. If it doesn't fit that pattern, if it's not investment, then I don't have any part to do It's a waste of my time. There's too much to invest in. than to waste my time on a lot of foolishness. That's why Eureka Christian School... I believe in giving money to Eureka Christian School. See, when we're talking about tithes and offerings, I present this to God, the first fruits. all that I have left is holy, and then when they have a need or a banquet or something, I make sure I give money to Eureka Christian School. I think Forward Edge is a vital ministry of this church, and we should think about taking care of Forward Edge because that's a vital ministry. Invest in that ministry. Now we've got the School of Ministries beginning. He invests in that ministry, because now we're talking about training the church. See, investment again, that principle. Because if you do that, then you have a divine reality that takes place. Now, we come to the third part. You never know what that investment is going to do. Jesus gives an illustration, two illustrations, really. He said, one, you take the seed, which is the Word of God, and you scatter it. See, now that's what we're doing right now. We're scattering the Word of God throughout the community of Eureka. We're investing in the community. We're saying, I know that there are sons and daughters of the living God. I don't know if they all belong in this particular congregation or not, but I know they're out there, and I know they belong to God, and the problem is they don't know it yet. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to do just what Jesus told us to do. We're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel to who? Every preacher. That's what we're going to do. So here we are going door to door, house to house, Throughout this entire city. Now there's a reason. See, that's not like, oh, did you get a super revelation from God? Yes, I got a super revelation from God. I read it right in the Bible. See, that's how you get the biggest revelations of your life. Read the Bible. It's very powerful if you do that. See, I said, well, we have to reach every creature. How will we do it? Okay, I think door-to-door is the best possible way. We thought about TV. Well, that'll reach some people, or radio. That'll reach some people. But how will we be pretty sure? And then with God's grace, we will be sure. How will we be sure to reach every person? We will just keep going from house to house and door to door, and we will preach. And then we will follow up. And then we will go around and around and around. We're investing in the community. Now, out of that community is going to come people that are going to be saved. See, this divine principle of investment in the community. We're practicing this in every area of our particular lives. Well, years ago, there were some women. I say that when you plant that seed, you never know what it's going to do. Jesus says, some falls on hard ground, it's lost. Some falls on rocky ground, springs up, but doesn't have much depth of earth, so it dries up first time the sun hits it and it's gone. Third falls on thorny ground, the thorns choke it finally. It says some falls on good ground, it brings back 30, 60, and 100 fold. And one time I did a study. What happens if you lost 75% of the seed? How much seed would you have at the end of 10 years? The figure is... Utterly astronomical. You cannot know how large the figure is. It's zeros upon, zeros upon zeros upon zeros upon zeros upon zeros. It is beyond comprehension how large the number C would be. Now, let me show you something here. A number of years ago, I was called to this church. Others have started it. I did not start it. But I was called to be the pastor. And there was, at that time, maybe... 25, 20 people, something like that. It wasn't very large. Gone through problems, as many churches do. There were some older ladies here, and they were well up in years. Some of them were almost 80, but uh, there were quite a few in the late 60s and early 70s and so forth. And there was an older gentleman here. There was probably 70 at that time, Harley Watrous, and Ma Watrous was younger, but she was getting up in years, and just a few people. And they believed that I was to be their pastor, and Daisy was here with me. They considered us pastors together, and that's a wonderful relationship we had for those people we loved them. But I got discouraged after a while, and I didn't want to stay here, and I resigned. And I resigned, as you all know, but some new people here, I resigned three times. But you know, those people would not let me resign. They would come to me. Well, first of all, they prayed. We just believed that Brother and Sister Dirk can be our pastors, And Lord, we just want you to send them back and we want you to know that we love them and we're going to hold on to you, Lord, that you encourage them and you bring them back. See, they invested themselves in me. They invested themselves in my life because they believed that there was a divine call on our lives and there was a capacity for vision. And they kept saying, Lord, you showed us a vision. This church being full. And Brother Durgan preaching to those people the teens going out of here. And we can't let them go. And I ultimately came back. See, then in began these young people to flock in by the hundreds. And then it was again heavy times and so forth, and they got confused and so on. But they hung right in there. They told us many times, Brother Durkin, we're supporting you with all that we have, with our prayers and with our love, with our care and with our money. We believe in you. We're with you. We're standing with you. Brother, don't give up. Say, many times I felt like giving up, but they wouldn't let me give up. They invested in me. You know, sometimes your children feel like giving up. Keep investing in them. Your wife feels like giving up. Keep investing. Your husband, keep investing. See, I'm so discouraged, wife. I tried and I failed and I tried and I failed and I tried and I failed. I'm a failure. No, you're not a failure. I believe in you. I'm praying for you. I'm standing with you. I'm going to walk with you. We're going to make it. See, that kind of thing. Keep investing. They kept investing. And then God broke loose. And there were hundreds saved. Then God began to give me a vision of training them. I began to invest myself in them, and then Daisy invested herself. She gave hours upon hours upon hours of love and care, watching over those young lives and seeing marriages healed and people come together. And having no background and understanding how to relate, she would she would and I would. We get up early in the morning. I had a full time real estate business to run, plus the church to run. I get up early, go out to the Lighthouse Ranch. You have a Bible study out there, get back, run the business, get down here and prepare for the evening service. We had service then sometimes, always three times a week, sometimes five nights a week. It was just a grueling pace that was going on continually. But now, see, those women who had invested in me, those men who had invested in me, now I was, see, it's like you invest in this plant. Here was this weak, spindly little plant called Jim Durkin, who was broken from his bad experience that brought about the divorce and now we were remarried and we're trying to put our family back together and our life together and I was like this. I had this divine call. This anointing was on me but man, my character was weak and my courage was not strong and they're taking care of this plant. They're watering it and they're praying over it. Pretty soon, have to get stronger. It's Like this little spindly thing plants called apple tree but just this little something. It isn't worth anything, hardly. But you keep taking care of it. And then one day, I here. There's an apple. It's me. It's a sign of things to come. It's hard for me sometimes when I'm dealing with these wonderful truths to keep myself together. And the plant that you feed and the plant that you care for Finally turns around to become the plant that feeds you. You understand that? See, they, they took care of the little spindly apple shoot. And one day grows up and the pears crop that crop for years, sometimes way beyond your lifetime, still bearing and feeding the plant that you fed turns around and feeds you. This is a principle of life, a divine reality. If we learn how to invest in the kingdom of God, it is far more powerful and far more certain than any normal thing we'll ever do in this world. Then one day we took I didn't even think the idea up. Carlos Ramirez called me and said, Jim, there's been an earthquake down in Guatemala and I want to go down there. And I've got some brothers that feel the same burden they want to go too, and some sisters, can we go? I said, well, I don't have any word from God about it yet. I don't know. I better pray about it. And I kind of went through changes. Man, are they ready, Guatemala? Man, are we ready for overseas? I don't know if we are. And uh, this is pretty heavy-duty stuff. And uh, you know. And finally, I said, okay, you can go, go on down there and build. But I said, while you're there, keep your eyes open. You don't know the real reason you're there. I said, look and see if something might be happening other than what you see. Just go down there and build bridges and housing and get the country back in shape for those people and so forth. And while they were there, people began to join themselves to them. A few here, and a few here, and a few here, and a few here. And now that 20 people that we originally sent down there, I was down there this last time, and it's over 2,000 people now, plus the many that have been sent out to other lands. Now what does the Bible say? Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. we planted 20 seeds. Now it's 2,000. What is that? That's a hundredfold. Increase. You understand the principle? Now, those women and those few brothers that believed in me and invested in me and invested in my wife, that would not let me quit, but kept urging me on, kept encouraging me, kept pouring themselves into me, they're all gone now. They're not here working anymore. They can't be encouraging anybody anymore. I have to take up where they left off and encourage. But you know what? The reality is in my heart, they're still reaping. And that happening? I think of Sister Simpson. Could hardly get into the church and out because she was so crippled up with arthritis. Now she's got a new body. She's up in heaven. When I see people get saved, I did last week and. Our churches are multiplying and growing and vision is increasing and we're reaching outward. I think it's Sister Simpson. had a romantic idea. The Lord walked in and hurt. He said, you know, the reward... You know what I'm trying to say? The reward just grew. And more for you. That plant is still growing. It's still producing. It's multiplying all over the earth. See, when you invest in your children, it's like that. When you invest in your wife, it's like that. When you invest in your husband, it's like that. When you invest your money, because you see it as holy. You don't let the devil come in and, all oh, your wife is this, and your husband is this, and each kid you have, and the man in the church is this. You don't let that happen. So you lie, devil. My wife is holy. My children are holy. Because i dedicated them to the Lord and I dedicate them now. And my own life is holy because i dedicate dedicated to the Lord. And I'm going to keep pouring myself into my wife and my children and my church and my brothers and my sisters and my community. And you know what the result is going to be? The Bible says this gospel must be preached in all the earth for a witness. And I tell you before, God, it will be because we're learning how to do it. best. Do you understand what I've said here today? Amen you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? If there are any of you here that have not made that kind of dedication of yourself to the Lord, then mostly it would be among you because I know you faithful good people. It would only be because you didn't know or didn't understand how to do it. If you've allowed the devil to come in and deceive you or lie to you about your husband, your wife, your children, now it's time to Rebuke that devil sharply. Repent before God and say, Oh God, I realize now that I am a man of holiness, a woman of holiness. I realize the mate that you've given me is holy. I realize my children are holy. I realize my property is holy. I realize my money is holy. I realize everything that I ever have of myself, my gifts, my talent, my time, my future, my present is holy, Lord. And it belongs to you. And I give myself to you completely, Lord, an investment into your kingdom. And Lord, I'm going to see the the multiplication 30, 60, 100-fold.